Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into North Dakota and its tax policy, along with some of its budgetary policy as well. I'm sitting down in the studio with the Alec Executive Vice President for Policy, Jonathan Williams. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule this morning to chat with me. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation and just got back into Washington from a trip out to Fargo myself to be with uh, the members. Yeah, he's got some very interesting firsthand knowledge that he's going to share with our listeners today. And uh, we are actually beaming in straight from North Dakota to representatives. Representative Vicki Steiner, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. And we also have Representative Craig Hedlund, who is the chairman of the tax committee in North Dakota. Thank you so much as well for joining. Well, thank you. Uh, It's good to be with you. So just to get things going a little bit, I know um, one important topic of conversation that will be brought up today will be the North Dakota Legacy Fund. And frankly, before researching this topic, I didn't know what that was. And I have a feeling many of our uh, listeners won't know what it is either. Will you guys let us know what exactly is the Legacy Fund? Well, uh, the Legacy Fund was a fund created uh, and added to the Constitution that uh, accepts 30% of the deposits of the uh, oil tax in North Dakota, created about 10 years ago. I think it's reached a balance of upwards of over $6 billion. According to how the uh, Constitution reads as we are able now to use the earnings from that fund uh, for different projects. Uh, So that is kind of the direction we're going right now. We're looking into how uh, properly to use those earnings for the benefit of North Dakotans. And what I would add is that the earnings are not defined when we voted as to how we would use the interest. And so there's a group that started the legacy fund, they actually hoped that the legislature would put all the money back in the fund every session, every because we meet every other year in North Dakota. And they thought they'll just put the interest back in and it will grow to 90 billion or so several generations out. And then a lot of taxes can be done away with for that generation when it reaches that higher level. What we're finding is that this generation is also interested in the interest that's generated. And if it's around $400 million, uh, it's difficult when we have cuts in certain state budgets that um, that $400 million is seen as a way to supplement nursing homes and some of our other um, budget items that we have in the state. And so that is part of the debate that Representative Hedlund was at the Legacy Fund committee meeting. They're holding these public hearings that uh, Jonathan was able to attend to get a pulse from the public of how did they, when they voted, how did they feel that that interest should be utilized? And so there is even some friction between the group that organized this original vote in 2010. They would like to see all the money uh, plowed back in and that we don't use any of it. And so uh, Representative Hedlund and I worked on a bill to at least take part of that, 50% of it, and reduce income tax. So there's a lot of tension about, and not everybody agreed with us, that you know income tax was that big of a priority. 
So there's a lot of tension about what to do with that money. And I'm really interested in seeing what the public's reaction was. I wasn't able to be there. So uh, maybe Jonathan and Representative Hemlin couldn't explain how the, how the actual committee went this week. Yeah, I think that would be a great stepping stone for Jonathan to jump in because it was quite an experience, wasn't it, Jonathan? How was that public hearing? Well, it was, uh, I appreciate the invite from the chairman to come testify and provide our nonpartisan research analysis on this issue. Uh, and I really do commend Representative Steiner, Chairman Hedlund, for their prudence in the way that they go about looking at this amazing opportunity for the state of North Dakota that uh, really nearly no other state has when it comes to the ability to make themselves more competitive and really create a legacy with these funds. And obviously, the challenge is that, uh, and, and Chairman Hedlund can and talk all about this, and even even before I got to Fargo, the whole day before, it was a bunch of individuals testifying uh, in some cases on how they wanted to spend the money instead of you know looking at ways to reduce tax burdens. And of course, that's always the threat when government has additional resources sitting there in whatever bank account it is, whether it's a legacy fund or a year-over-year -year budget surplus, and there's going to be the temptation to just spend it all. And uh, then, of course, uh, years later, uh, when we look back and see perhaps missed opportunities, with some of those surplus dollars, uh, then you know you have to really ask the question: What could we have done differently? But I think the reaction was it, it was very interesting. I wasn't quite expecting what we saw in Fargo. In fact, we were uh, disrupted. The committee was by a group of uh, Democrat socialists, I believe they call themselves, uh, who truly tried to violate our free speech rights to meet in public. And I was very uh, thankful that both Republicans and Democrats on the committee, the Legacy Fund Earnings Committee, did restore order, and uh, we did have a chance to talk about our nonpartisan research and analysis. But I do think with these kind of resources sitting out there, uh, tempers do run high, and uh, lots of people have very diverse views of what to do with these dollars. Representative Hedlund, what was your uh, perspective and experience from the hearing? You know, I was somewhat surprised. Uh, well, first of all, I was surprised by the group of people that attended that that did speak on uh, certain ways they would like to see the interest spent. What really surprised me is that we did have a faction of those same group lobbyists that are at the legislature uh, on a regular basis asking for money. And I was somewhat surprised that, uh, at least to them, they just view this as another pot of money available that they're going to be wanting uh, to look at, uh, you know, getting their needs or their requests funded from. Uh, that that was a little surprising to me uh, because, frankly, I thought everybody understood that what we're looking at using these dollars for are something that will provide a long-lasting legacy, not only for the current generation, but for generations to come. And I don't know that just uh, your general regular uh funding programs that are funded on an annual basis, you know, really qualify for that. So, you know, I was surprised by that. I was also surprised by the, the level of some of the requests. And, you know, I, when you have people come up there, we had a gentleman get up and say, you know what, I have bad credit. I should, uh, you should create a fund that provides low interest loans to those of us who can't get credit. Well, you know, interesting concept, but I don't know, uh, what type of legacy that provides. We had another uh, a gentleman uh, get up and uh, request that, you know, to make rural life uh, more appealing to people, we should subsidize uh, bowling alleys and movie theaters. 
you know, again, I don't know if that's uh, the direction uh, anybody, uh, the founders of the fund or uh, any legislators believe will be proper use for the fund itself. The committee itself, I believe, is interested in uh, tax relief. The uh, House and Senate may have different ideas of what type of tax relief they want to provide. Uh, the House, as you know, with the bill that uh, Representative Steiner and myself sponsored last uh, session, you know, would have provided income tax relief. And I still believe that is the perfect uh, or the best uh, way to utilize uh, the money as far if we're going to look at tax relief, simply because it's a tax that is under complete control of the legislature and the tax relief will reach every tax paying citizen. We've tried property tax relief in the past. I mean, that's a big buzzword in North Dakota that people complain about their property taxes. Uh, however, every dollar that we put into those types of programs uh, were not received by the public and gobbled up by political subdivisions and increased their budgets. Uh, so I did not feel that was a road that we wanted to go down. Not uh, Representative Steiner, I don't know if you would like to add some comments in that regard, but uh, go ahead if you want to. No, uh, thank you, Chairman Hedlund. I completely agree. I think that if you look at other states that don't have income tax, I think there's just, even though our income tax is really low, I think it is something that we can give our young people and take that burden off of them because we have the money. One of the things that I found at my town halls back here in Dickinson, North Dakota, District 37, is our town halls would have a lot of Democrats come to the Saturday morning discussion. And they... They did not like this proposal. They said they liked paying the income tax. They wanted relief on property tax. But property tax, as Representative Hedlund said, is a local decision. That's the city and the county putting on the property taxes, and we can't control that. We can control income tax. And, in fact, Representative Hedlund's bill, over 10, 12 years, you would essentially eliminate the income tax with the 50% of the interest stream, not even all of it, just half of the interest coming off the legacy fund would have replaced what we're paying in an income tax. The average income tax paid, I believe, was around $866. Well, $866 doesn't sound a lot to the older generation that may have their houses and their cars paid off, but to a young person coming out of college with a lot of debt and trying to buy a house and having a family, uh, $800 is significant to them. And I think this is something we could do for the younger generation. And uh, as I said, the Democrats didn't like the proposal locally and at my town hall. They felt it was silly, actually. They said, um, it's not going to do anything. We like paying it. So I actually suggested maybe we should just put a, a checkbox where you can voluntarily send it in if you feel so strongly about it. But I mean, I really feel like the state is at a point where we will have the money and we won't necessarily need to spend that interest on growing government or adding programs. We can actually return it to people's pockets. So I thought it was really significant the House passed the bill, and I'm hoping that maybe we can work out something with the Senate this coming session. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good idea there, Representative Steiner. I do want to take a step back for a moment. It's a nice saying in life that there are two constants, death and taxes. So 
Jonathan, if you want to take this one, why should we get rid of the income tax generally? And then maybe more specifically, how is it so beneficial for North Dakota? Well, I think uh, Chairman Hedlund and Representative Stein are on exactly the right path based on the academic research and our research from rich states, poor states. We know that all taxes matter for economic growth because when you take a dollar out of the productive private sector for innovators and entrepreneurs and you put it in an inefficient government, certainly some state governments are more efficient than this uh, beast in Washington, D.C. that we make fun of all the time within its inefficiencies, but they're all more inefficient than the private sector. And uh, so that's an important point is regardless of how you take a dollar out of the private sector and put it into the government sector, you have a loss of economic opportunity there. Uh, But then based on our research, the OECD, which studies uh, the world developed world economies and other academic pieces, we know that taxes on capital, taxes on income, taxes on earnings, taxes especially on personal income and business income are the most damaging dollar for dollar raised at the state, national and international level. And so there, uh, I think the proposal that uh, Chairman Hedlund uh, had that then overwhelmingly passed the North Dakota House in this last legislative session was on the right track based on the evidence. And uh, that was what I shared in Fargo uh, was our research on taxes, how they matter to economic growth and uh, why income taxes are the most damaging. And I do think it's important to point out that the nine states without personal income taxes, we always point out the the growth premium associated with these case studies. And of course, the neighbor, your neighbors to the South, their representatives in South Dakota have enjoyed this for years. They're one of the two states in America that do not have a personal or a corporate income tax. And they've seen some great growth benefits as a result. But getting to the point on the politics of this for a second, and as we know, ALEC is a nonpartisan organization. We take that very seriously. You know, this is an issue that uh, actually when played out in practice, Democrats have defended their no-income tax status in the Democrat states that do not have an income tax, such as Washington State, where initiatives have been put on the ballot and financed heavily, even by Bill Gates Sr., to the tune of millions of dollars to repeal their personal income tax, uh, no-income tax status, and create a income tax in Washington State. And when put to voters, even an overwhelmingly blue Washington State, they've decided to keep the no-income tax status because they know what it means for economic growth and job creation. So a lot of these understandings and this knowledge that you just kind of uh, gave our listeners here, Jonathan, comes to a T and is backed up by research in a really important publication here at ALEC called Rich States, Poor States, which I know both Representative Steiner and Representative Hedlund are very familiar with. But we have a lot of publications, but Rich States, Poor States is especially important when it comes to tax and budgetary policy. Representative Steiner, Representative uh, Hedlund, how has publications from ALEC, and in particular, Rich States, Poor States, benefited your work? Well, uh, you know, it gives us uh, something to build off of. You know, we we have other issues associated uh, with income tax that I believe, uh, you know, by lowering it and getting rid of it, uh, you know, could be aided. We have a workforce shortage in our state, uh, and I think uh, the data from uh, a publication like yours uh, shows that, uh, you know, it does help to encourage or entice people to move to states that are low tax. Uh, I think the evidence is clear. Texas is doing a a wonderful job of recruiting uh, workforce now from other states. Uh, It's something we really desperately need in North Dakota because we have things that we can't control 
that, you know, probably in some ways discourage people from moving here. Uh, you know, we have a reputation for being a place that has cold winters. Well, people don't really uh, care to move to those type of areas, or at least it isn't their, uh, one of their priorities in, in most cases. However, you know, things like that are not out under our control. Taxation is something that is under our control, and I think we should do everything we can to make sure that we not only have good tax policy, but I think we need to have the best tax policy to encourage uh, that workforce that's needed for industry to move to this state. I uh, completely agree. And and you're speaking to two Michiganders here in D.C. who definitely understand um, some cold weather. But sorry, uh, Representative Steiner, you were just about to say something. You know, I, I completely agree. We do have a, a workforce need. And if anybody's looking for a job, there's probably 26,000 open jobs right now in North Dakota. Please come up and take one. And, and they're good paying jobs. But uh, yeah, and, and also, too, to attract people who have uh, no income tax is tough when they are moving here. We're hoping they'll move here permanently rather than be transient workers. So I, the, one of the reasons too with the legacy fund that we tied it into the interest earnings was because we've had some outsiders come in and place things on our ballot in North Dakota and uh, try to, um, one example was we had one a few years ago where they wanted to take about 90 million from the state funds and um, they'll try to place it inside the Constitution, and um, some of these people have millions of dollars to spend on a campaign, and then they place it in the Constitution, and then the legislature has to deal with it because it's been voted on, and we are concerned about all these different measures that are being placed on ballots across the country by billionaires, essentially. So this way, if we put this in place and people see no income tax because it's being replaced by part of the earnings from the legacy fund, when they go to vote about what they're voting on, if it concerns the legacy fund, they'll really make a informed decision because part of it will affect them. So it ties the uh, citizens to the legacy fund in a long-term way of how do they really want to spend that interest. And if we get this passed, they'll have to think about do they want income tax to come back because these funds will be supplanting their income tax. And that will also give them pause at the voting booth when we have these measures coming from all over the country. I was just going to say there's one other point that I would like to make clear as part of the rationale for using uh, the earnings for tax relief. And that is that without any direction for those earnings, uh, you know, the Constitution states the earnings are going to be deposited in to the general fund. Once that happens, those dollars, you know, become unrecognizable from any other revenue source that comes into the general fund. And, you know, my fear is that they will be used to fund uh, general government uh, uh, just like any other revenue source. So I think it's important that we have dedication for those earnings, whether it be reinvested in the fund, which I think we would all like to see. I think tax relief, you know, has definitely been a priority for Representative Steiner and myself and the House overall as well for use of those funds. But, you know, we're open to other things also, but we just want to make sure that those funds 
do become dedicated in some way. Well, and that's exactly the point um, I think it's important to make as well, Mr. Chairman, is just from an outside researcher, I was shocked. I remember we talked about this when I discovered just how much per capita North Dakota spends versus South Dakota, neighboring states, uh, many similar things, except that North Dakota, depending on some measures, spends more than double per person what South Dakota spends. And you've seen a huge run up because of the good times in in the natural resource economy and the booming economy that you've helped create because of a good, uh, reasonable tax climate in many cases. Uh, but that spending growth is exactly right. To, to focus on that because if, if you're not looking at ways to, you know, getting those dollars off the table and maybe 10 years from now we look back and, and North Dakota spends three times per capita what South Dakota does and then uh, doesn't have that competitive advantage uh, like South Dakota does with no income tax status. But I would like to say in rich states, poor states, I think all of you deserve a great pat on the back for your great work because you've moved from number 18 in economic outlook in our first edition of Rich States, Poor States all the way up to number three because of the tax relief that you've seen. You've cut income tax by roughly half, I believe, your rate. And as you mentioned, you didn't see the revenue decline like uh, some sort of static scoring would suggest. So you've seen dynamic benefits from cutting income taxes. And based on our estimates, if you did eliminate the income tax on personal and corporate income as you passed out of the House last session, uh, you could very well be ranked number one in rich states, poor states for the top economic outlook in America. That would be quite an honor for all of us. Uh, I'll uh, assure you that Representative Steiner and I are, are working towards that. <laughs> well, uh, your friends here at ALEC wish you the best of luck, and we would love to see everyone tied for first uh, in all states, but of course, North Dakota, we want to get you guys there as quick as possible. Um, with that, that does bring us to the end of our segment. I'm Dan Reynolds, been your host here of the ALEC podcast across the states, sitting down uh, with Jonathan Williams, the EVP for policy here. Thank you very much once again, Jonathan. Absolutely. And then also to our representatives beaming in straight from North Dakota, thank you very much to Representative Steiner for taking some time out of your early morning here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yes. And thank you very much uh, to the chairman of the tax committee, Representative Headland, for um, your conversation here and for also inviting down our policy expert, Jonathan, to Give some insight into um, policy in North Dakota. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you at all have an idea to get on the Across the States podcast or know someone that should be featured, please go ahead and email acrossthestates at alec.org. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.